There's an extra Irish flavour to the podcast if our international listeners can bear with us for Christmas. Firstly, we're delighted to have Simon O'Donnell, VP for Athenet Networks. Simon is from Straban in the north of Ireland and has been based in Boston for many years. He's well known in the wireless industry in the US and around the world. Simon has a great backstory to how he ended up in Boston and you just won't believe what his first job was. Simon talks through what Athernet does in, in a new and exciting area in the wireless industry, which is private LTE. He explains all this and gives an amazing use case from Fortport, Texas, of how this is helping the local community, particularly with COVID. Finally, on a personal note, thanks to all our podcast and listeners. We never thought this would be such a big success when we started it. We had 5,000 downloads and we've made many new friends and it's been thoroughly enjoyable. Thank you. Also, we wish all our listeners a safe and happy 2022. It's hard to say that. Please enjoy the festive break. Enjoy your friends and families and come back refreshed and strong next year. We play our little extra Christmas music and there was a hint in the intro music. So all the best, everybody. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer, Digital First Selling. During these times of COVID and falling telco sales, Digital First Selling is the answer to new customer acquisition, increasing revenues and cost reduction. If you are a telco, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, we have the ideal Digital First Selling as a Service solution for you. The Netzer Digital First Selling solution enables you to sell and onboard remotely. It will integrate with your BSS and OSS systems and with Salesforce and we meet all regulatory requirements. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com so that we can understand your issues and provide you with the best solution. Right. Um, yeah. Are you from Straban or where are you from? I am. Straban, right. So I'll yeah. just, I might like also I'll explain, like I'll say Northern Ireland to people who are north in of Ireland. North, north of Ireland. No Northern Ireland. <laughs> no Northern Ireland. I'm going to start the, uh, the interview from here after this argument. Right. So uh, Simon O'Donnell, who is presently in Boston and claims to be from the Northern Ireland. Is that the case, Simon? Where are you from? I'm from the north of Ireland, Pat. The north of Ireland. <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> well, listen, everybody, you might have guessed by this intro that I know Simon a little while. Um, he is a wireless expert. And he's working in an area that's particularly interesting at the moment. But, uh, yeah, Simon, with your accent, you don't have a Boston accent. So maybe explain how you got to Boston from Straban in north of Ireland, as you say, or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks, Pat. Um, yeah, it was sort of an interesting start to, to life. Um, you know, I, I left school early. I left school at 16, uh, like most of us Straban people did. And I was up, went on to college. and um, But I was lucky enough. Like, I got a, I got a job as a firefighter um, uh, around 18 and was able then to go back to school, back to college. And um, and that took a took a little bit of a path at that time. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a traditional route, so I had to go through a certain NVQs, I think was the qualification at the time. And it was interesting there because we had um, 
Um, I went in and I thought I had the qualifications to get in the one year uh, in the in the McGee, so I could keep my firefighting going and also study at the same time. And um, I met the administrator, and he says, "No, you don't have enough qualifications, and you need to come back in a year's time." So I came back a year later with my NVQ level four, whatever it was. And uh, he says, no, nah, you're still not qualified. <laughs> so meanwhile, meanwhile, you're actually a firefighter. This is this yeah, the firefighter at the same time. I, but um, <laughs> what was interesting there was I went into, um, I went in and it was the same administrator that I saw in McGee. And he says, you're not qualified. And then uh, the secretary who happened to be there the first year I went in, she stood up and her name was Amanda Fullerton. And I, I, I really do... I contributed a lot to her getting me into the, the university. She turned around and she said, uh, George, you told him to come back in a year's time with uh, with a, a new level. And uh, he, he did. And now you're telling me he can't join. He can't get into McGee. And uh, uh, George just turned around and said, well, I suppose I didn't make the promise. So that's how I got out the <laughs> Now, I made a joke earlier. Were you, were you setting fires or were you putting them out? But- you were saying there's a, there's a there's a bit of both like I mean, with the courthouse we had a uh, the courthouse got blown up every year they, they, they were putting the final brick on the the courthouse in Straban, uh you know doing it up and then the car bomb would have gone off and it was, it was dead handy for us because we couldn't go in until the the army had cleared made it ready and by that time the whole thing had burnt down <laughs> well, interesting, interesting upbringing. Oh, that, that was the wild times for sure. But you, you got into you got into wireless technologies on Simon, and you, you got you around the world. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, you know, at that time, there was really only a couple of places that you could go in in, in Ireland. Like it was either Belfast, Galway, or uh, Dublin. Primarily Belfast and Galway. And uh, I had no interest in going to Belfast and wanted to go to Dublin. Um, and uh, my wife, well, she wasn't my wife at the time, but my wife now, uh, she, we were in the same class in college and she she wanted to, she said she'd go to Belfast. So there's a little bit of a dispute there, but it just so happens that a company called Liberty Mutual, which is now Liberty IT, wanted to open up a software house um, and we are given uh, students or new new graduates an opportunity to come out and work in the states for for a year mm-hmm. so uh, i moved uh moved out to beverly massachusetts in, in 1997 and um worked for liberty mutual and then at the end of the year they wanted to move us back to belfast <laughs> and i was loving it like loving the states so uh uh, one of one of my classmates, Eamon O'Kane, um, had worked the summer of '96 or the year of '96, and his year out with a small company called Aldiscon in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Here it comes uh, again, this famous company. Yeah, this famous company, Aldiscon. So he uh, he says, "Look, you know, if we move to this company, they'll they'll get our visas and we'll be able to uh, stay out mm-hmm. in the states for another year or two. So Eamon moved, and then I moved, and a bunch of us. Fled Liberty and got our H one B visas that allowed us to stay for six years in the states. Very good. And you, you were doing pre sales, I think, at that time. Uh, technical pre sales. Yeah, technical pre sales uh, in uh, in uh, Aldiscon or Logica then, as it became, and Logica CMG. Um, what was interesting was I was doing the pre sales, and 
um, my wife, Joanne, she was doing the uh, operations. Uh, oh, wow. She was managing oh, wow. the engineers. So whatever I designed, she had to <laughs> work on, which wasn't, uh, which wasn't always favorable. There's a few arguments at the dinner table. This, well, you were focused on the North American market, I presume, at this stage, were you? Focused initially in North America, and then um, we were doing like South America as well. So uh, spent a lot of time in Central America. Um, but uh, yeah, great experience, mm. you know, for, for a young fella to, to basically after, um, uh, after the first week on the job, I was uh, put on a plane and sent out to Seattle uh, to meet Sarah Lillis and and the team out there and deploy. That's, it, that's AT&T, right? Uh, AT&T, yeah. yeah. Uh, we deployed the first text messaging system there. <laughs> and then I think I moved down to um, uh, Atlanta after that to deploy with Bell South at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, it was great crack, like, you know, because if you were open to traveling, um, you know, you could go around the country and I, I saw the whole country. I think I've been in every state, mm. um, but I saw every, everyone uh, just by traveling around and doing installs. And, yeah, you know, no, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting, I mean, especially at that time the industry was taken up. I presume that wasn't necessarily GSM, it was a probably a mix of technology, wasn't it? Yeah, it was mixed. GSM and CDMA would have been the, and TDMA even, um, were the technologies that we worked on at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everything's GSM now, you know. Right. So let's move it up to the present day. You're working for Athernet, and um, they work in a very interesting area that I think is going to explode in the next few years. So maybe you just explain what what the art they offer and why is it different than the public uh, land mobile networks that we've known in the past? Yeah, so I suppose over the last number of years, I mean, Athernet has, uh, Athernet was formed, by two um, ex-Ericsson employees that realized that, you know, these large companies, telco vendors are essentially targeting 100 million plus subscribers and building these massive systems, uh, which was called the evolved packet core. So you're basically the core of the network. And uh, the two founders uh, recognized that, you know, we want to have the ability not only to scale up to support you know, millions of subscribers, but also have the ability to scale right down and build a, a complete evolved packet core that could fit in the back of a, you know, an army, a backpack. And we, we do some of those for, for customers. Um, so scale up and scale down. And what we initially deployed was on, um, uh, well, we initially deployed our solutions to support European uh uh, utility companies that wanted to um, manage their IoT services and manage communication in a private network. So what is a private network? Um, a private network is essentially taking all the attributes and uh, um, elements of a public or a traditional mobile network and bringing that in-house. So you've got your, I'll, I'll jump on the technology, but you've got your control elements, the HSS and MME and PCRF, but you also have the, the user plane, which is the, the data offload. So I suppose at a high level, um, what we're doing here is um, we're taking, again, that cellular network that, that has been tried and tested for, for 20 plus years and bringing that into private network. So what it adds is uh, security. Um, no one can access that network. It's not like a Wi-Fi network where 
people mm. can have scanners and try and break into it. Um, it's all encrypted, yeah. It's all encrypted. It's yeah. LTE encryption with, with SIM cards. We can support eSIM or uh, physical SIM cards. So each mm. of these devices require that. So again, you've got the security, you've got the scalability, um, and you have the, I suppose, the ability to, again, it's not like Wi-Fi, you can actually provide some radio planning so you can uh, allocate specific sectors and that increases the range of, of your coverage. So so like this, this is really interesting. So what used to be, as you say, what used to be nationwide now might be a factory or a community and it's privately managed um, and I guess 5G is this is the latest very I imagine it's 4G as well. But um, so for people who aren't in the telecoms business, essentially it's like a very small private mobile network that's run by a, f- uh, a factory or a school. You, you, you say that. Tell me the story you were telling me there about the um, the community schools and COVID. That was quite interesting. Yeah. So you know, uh, CBRS um, or. Uh, Citizens Broadband Radio Service is um, is the the name for the technology that they use over here, um, and it's unlicensed. There's a certain percentage of the network that's actually unlicensed spectrum. What does that mean? Well, it's like Wi-Fi. You don't have to register your Wi-Fi device when you turn it on. It's the same with this uh, private radio network. Uh, you can turn it up, and um, it. Uh, you don't have you have to register it, but it's not a license. You don't pay for a license. Um, so that was really released at the start of last year, where you could actually use the service. And then a couple of months later, COVID um, <laughs> at the world, as you know. Yeah. And uh, you know when you when you think about that, a lot of kids couldn't go into the classroom anymore uh, because class was shut down. And it was amazing to find out that. There was um, a large number of the population around the states did not have any internet access really? at home um, and were uh, relying on the parents when the parents came home from work, relying on their uh, phone for that internet hotspot. Um, so the kids disappeared. Um, they didn't have any access and the, the, the schools did not have any ability. Um, you've got now you have CBRS. Um, and the it was perfect. All the stars aligned. It was a perfect storm, essentially. And uh, what we did was um, so, sorry, we worked Simon. with several partners. So, yeah. uh, so like there was buffering on that there. Now I think it might, I think it might, might be my end. But so, can you just start from when uh, the school started um, uh, realize this, the students didn't have internet? I'll call all this out. They didn't have it. Couldn't didn't have internet access. So, so the yeah. schools, the schools have noticed that students didn't necessarily have internet access. Yeah, yeah, no, the schools uh, realized that these kids at home now uh, did not have any internet access, and they effectively disappeared. So there's a large majority within these school districts that the, the the teachers didn't have any visibility of, and there was no homework, there's no uh, education um, uh, available to them. So that we very quickly worked with uh, some very strong partners, such as Bearcom, um, to enable services. So we took a radio, we took our core network, we dropped our core into the school. Uh, the radio uh, broadcast out then into the community, and we can cover several miles. And, and you mm. know, we've, like for example, Fort Worth Independent School District, 
there's actually 144 schools wow. uh, servicing, servicing almost 100,000 students. So these are not small school districts. And, uh, you know, we, we give the kids a little UE, a little uh, end user device that would either broadcast Wi-Fi or would connect directly into their Chromebook. And um, that enabled the, the kids then to have internet access. And the beauty about it is, is that when you drop in um, the uh, core into the school infrastructure, it's as if that kid is in the classroom hmm. because they, they essentially, they're connected to the intranet. So all the policies uh, and um, uh, restrictions that the school has, looking at Netflix or looking at added content is all managed by the school, but it also enables them to have access to any of the intranet um, uh, applications that the school would use. Okay, that's a brilliant user case, isn't it? I mean, yeah. particularly is the enabling of education where kids mightn't have uh, broadband handy. I, I guess the state's been so big, there's also areas that you don't have good coverage and so on, you know? Yeah, so we're doing a lot in rural. Um, it's um, a federal um, initiative called ORDOF, where again, it's fixed wireless. There's parts of Donegal could uh, do with it as well. <laughs> parts of Dublin could use it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's All right. right. Okay, that was brilliant. So, like, it's um, it's really interesting area. I, I think that and CPAS are two areas of growth. It's sort of interesting that the industry is growing in areas outside the traditional mobile operator who I essentially see as marketing organizations, to be honest, that they're not really that big an innovation. Um, I hope that doesn't lose me any customers, but let's <laughs> we can all be big boys here, you know? Um, so how did you, how long did it take you to settle into the States? Are you a Sox fan, a Pats fan? What's the story with you? Pats, Pats fan, not, not much of a Sox fan though. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, absolutely the Pats and, and sometimes Tampa Bay, you know, the British. Movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's amazing, isn't he? He's just an amazing uh, athlete. Um, Aye, brilliant. It just goes to show what leadership can do. So at this stage of the podcast, we, I always ask the interviewee, like, do you have any song that, you're in, that you'd like to share with the audience? So what have you got for us? Well, considering I'm from the north of Ireland. Um, Northern Ireland, yeah. Fuck off, Pat. <laughs> I'll have to cut that out. <laughs> no, it was, uh, I, I have the ability, thankfully, to, to uh, watch Irish TV. And uh, Jesus, um, the Late Late Show was was fantastic uh, last week. Uh, it was great. And Christy was on. Christy Moore. Uh, Aye, uh, so I'm going to have to go with Christy Moore. Oh, good choice. Good uh, choice. And uh, north and south. Okay, okay. So for people outside Ireland, Christy Moore is what you might call our best-known balladeer, folk singer. He's got great soul in how he sings, and he's been around for a long time, and anything by him is worth listening to. All Absolutely. Right? Thanks for being a great guest, Simon. Really appreciate it. Any, any time, any time at all. Over the lock 
and feel your hand across the water. Walk with you along an unapproved road, not looking over my shoulder. I wanna see, I wanna hear, to understand your fear, but we're north and south of the river. I've been doing it wrong all of my life. This holy town has turned me over. A man on the run from what he couldn't understand As the wind from the lock blew colder and colder There was a badness that had its way Love wasn't lost, it just got mislaid North and south of the river And north and south the river Can we stop playing these old tattoos and darling I don't have the answer I want to meet you where you are I don't need you to surrender There is no feeling so alone as when the one you're hurting is your own North and south of the river There's some high ground it's not worth taking And some connections are not worth making The old church bell's no longer ringing And some old songs are not worth bringing And north and south of the river Always oh, you know And north and south of the river North and south of the river. It was Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank. An old man said to me, won't see another one And then he sang a song The rare old mountain dew I turned my face away And dreamed about you Got on the lucky 